Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. What legal and moral responsibilities do social media companies have to remove violent content off of their platforms? Does Elon Musk really want to buy Twitter? The deal is currently on hold and public spats with the CEO have analysts wondering. USB-C may be coming to the iPhone 15 next year. And we dive into Google I.O. Google announced new hardware, new software, and the company seems to be for real for real when it comes to inclusivity and image processing. We've got all this and more in episode 35 of The Tech John. From Columbus, Ohio, I'm your host, Rob Dunwood. And out of Atlanta, this is Terrence Gaines, a.k.a. Brother Tech, a.k.a. Uh, no Beard Summer. Shaved my beard over the weekend and... Uh, Wifey likes it, so we're going to stay with it for a while. So that's that's my AKA for this week. <laughs> um, I can't shave mine off because I'm afraid it won't come back. It took literally the pandemic for me to get what I got. So, Well, mine, just grow, it doesn't grow in full and it doesn't grow long. So the only reason why I keep it is because I get razor bumps and ingrown hairs. So I kind of leave it alone. And even now, like it's smooth-ish because uh, we went to a wedding over the weekend. So we got glammed up for that. But even now I'll let it get fud- peach fuzz. Mm-hmm. Cause I don't shave all that much. Cause if I shave, I'll get nasty ingrown hairs. And um, I don't like the look of the guys who shave all the time and they get that permanent kind of dark spots. So I'll leave my face yeah. alone and cut it every once in a while. And then even when I shave it, I don't shave it. I just use clippers. I was so going to ask you, do you did. shave, shave, or do you actually, yeah. you know, use clippers or trimmers nope. or something I use, like that? I use trimmers, uh, clippers, because uh, it doesn't get close. But the reason why you get razor bumps and all this stuff is because you're getting too close. Mm-hmm. Well, not too, let me not say too close. The look and the feel of a super close shave can't be beat. But the byproduct to that is, especially if you're black, <laughs> yes. ingrown hairs and razor bumps. You got, so that, you got my, that curly hair. It comes right out yeah. and curls up, goes right back in. Yeah. And your face look like that, daggone this acne apocalypse. Uh, yeah, And that uh, runs in my family. You know, my grandfather and my father used to use that um, magic shave. That stuff smells so bad, mm-hmm. man. It's like that can't be healthy to put yeah. something on your skin that but burns the hair off and smells that bad. Yep, but it worked because yeah. you use like a little um they had a little fake razor blade that looked like a razor blade, but it's just mm-hmm. a piece of plastic. Put that stuff on there, let it sit for about fifteen minutes. I used to do it and then shave it off. But then like I said, I didn't feel like going through all that. So I just let the hair grow a little bit and then use clippers. It won't get close, but I don't have to worry about the ingrown hairs. So for any regular listeners, um, or if you are 
watching us because you're a patron and you're watching our live stream or watching the replay of the live stream, you may have noticed that there is one softer voice that is not here this week. Uh, Tech Life softer. Softer yeah. is an understatement. It, it really is. It's like, one. yeah, it's like mm-hmm. you, you are right about that. Let's just say higher pitched voice. Let's let's go mm-hmm. down. Um, Different octave. But uh, yeah, uh, Tech Life Steph, she had an engagement that uh, you know that she uh, you know just conflicted uh, at the last minute. So just me and Brother Tech will try to hold it down for y'all, and we're gonna go ahead and get in some of this tech. And the first story we're gonna talk about. I hate that we have to talk about it. Um, and half is a strong word. We're, we're going to talk about this. Uh, for anybody that's been under a rock, there was a, I want to go ahead and call it a terrorist attack. I know the FBI is saying that it was a racially motivated attack. Um, well, you can, you can lump them together, a racially motivated terrorist, terrorist attack. attack. Exactly. So I am, uh, I'm calling it that. But yeah, this uh, 18 year old dude in Buffalo, he's not from Buffalo, but 18 year old dude in Buffalo decided that he wanted to go and kill as many black folks as he could um, in a grocery store turns. You know, and it's, there's all kinds of reasons why he did it. Um, we're not going to get into that today, but one of the things that we're going to talk about um, or what do the social media platforms do? What is their responsibility to do? Because essentially this dude made a snuff film. He, he had a GoPro or something like it mounted to his helmet and he live streamed his murderous escapade over Twitch. Um, and so without burying the lead, um, is it the responsibility of the social media platforms? And like I said, I won't bury the lead, so I'll just get right into it. Um, after this, uh, this broke and the fact that this guy did use Twitch, which is owned by Amazon to live stream his attack, uh, Twitch pretty much removed it very, very quickly, according to the story that we're reading in, what is this, Fortune? They got mm-hmm. it down in as little as two minutes. It was just it was like two minutes okay. and a couple seconds. It, it got it down pretty quick. Right, right, right. Um, but that, you would think that's the norm. If any sort of terrorist attack, any sort of killing, mass shooting, especially with our history of mass shootings in the United States, you know, everybody agrees it's terrible. Um, so you would think that Amazon or Twitch taking down that shooting within two minutes should be the norm. According to the story that we're reading, that's not necessarily the case in history. Um, Facebook, it took like 17 minutes to take down a, a, a similar video by white supremacists who killed 51 people in a, a New Zealand mosque in 2019. It goes back and talks about how Twitter is kind of been, eh, you know, we don't want to kind of take these things down because they're used in reporting, you know, news channels, you know, uh, if they use it for context, if, you know, we want to make sure we're telling the whole story, yada, yada, yada. But then as a result of this recent shooting, Twitter was quick to take it down. So again, like I mentioned, bearing the lead, is it, um, Social media sites have pretty much, as a result of this uh, recent shooting, have really pretty much in unison said, we're going to take these things down as fast as possible. You can't take them down fast enough because people latch on to them. Mm-hmm. They share them, you know, whether it be the reason why they share it is because, you know, they want to make sure they admonish it and people don't talk about it. And, oh, we don't want, 
this is the type of stuff we need to work against, but they share it anyway. And, but even still, you know, our, our need for watching train wrecks is almost taken over to where these social media sites can't take this stuff fat, take this stuff down fast enough before we've screenshotted it. We've recorded Mm -hmm. screens and we've put it on all these other sites or whatever the case may be. So it goes from these social media sites taking down the original posters content to trying to scour the entire internet to take this stuff down is uh, my question is, is that the responsibility of social media or do we as a society, the users, the content creators and the content, um, the um, uh, not content creators, but we call them, what's the other thing? Content consumers, consumers, consumers. right. Uh, Content consumers. Is it our responsibility to tell these social media sites by our actions that we don't want to see these type of videos by not sharing them, by not reposting them. I'm like, whose responsibility is it? Is it social media? Is it our responsibility? Is it hand in hand? And how does that look? So I think there are at least two buckets, maybe three. Um, the first two are what is right? What is the right thing to do? Um, the second thing is what is your legal obligation? And the third is how do we protect this money? Because we know at the end of the day, that's what it ultimately is going to come down to uh, for a lot of these companies. How do we protect our bottom line? So in the case of um, of Twitch, you know, we'll, we'll go with the parent company, Amazon here. They pulled this down, like, like I said, in just over two minutes. Now, there's a lot of reports um, that are coming in still, uh, but the things that I were reading uh, that I was reading Saturday evening and, and yesterday were that there were at least 25 people who were watching this live on Twitch and not a single one of them said anything to the authorities. Mm-hmm. So to your question, is it a responsibility of the public? Well, it depends on what part of the public you are. Um, I don't want to make any assumptions on those 25 folks, but a strategically timed hack of Twitch right now to find out who those 25 people are. Uh, I'm being facetious, but not really when I say that. Uh, uh, Yeah, 25 folks that were literally uh, watching people being murdered and did nothing, you know, reported nothing. At least those are what the initial reports are. Um, So there's that that aspect of it. I don't know that you can rely just on the public to do it. Um, What is Twitch's legal responsibility? Is this something that is illegal for them to have up? Is it something that they have to take down? Um, And then from Twitch's standpoint, I think they said, no, we just don't want this on our platform. Um, I think they have made the decision that snuff films on our platform are not good business. We don't want that. Um, There's so many reasons why you would not want to have that on your platform because that can come back and bite you in a lot of ways. So like I said, I think you have those three buckets of how it's happening. The the uh, the Twitter aspect of it is interesting. Um, you know, I think that Twitter, what they have just decided is that we're going to allow our user base to talk about this as a news story. And we'll even allow them to post links um, with warnings. I think what they have decided, we're just not going to host the content on our server. Um, well, so their actual statement was... Um, Twitter said Sunday it was working to remove material related to the shooting that violates its rules. But the company added 
that when people share medium media to condemn it or provide context, sharing a video with other material from the shooter may not be in violation of the rules. But then I guess after some pushback, after some some rabble rousing uh, later Sunday, Twitter changed course on how it was treating material related to the particular shooting that we're talking about, the Buffalo one in a subsequent email statement. Company said it is removing videos and media related to the incident and may remove tweets disseminating the shooter's writings. Earlier, the company's statement say it may remove material produced by perpetrators. So just in Twitter's case, it seems like they took an about face. And I'm curious as to why. I mean, because they did like this. Why is ah, that's hot. That's hot. Right. Right. Let's turn around on this. That the optics, that's the word. The optics looked horrible. So for Twitter. That goes back to, so that goes back to my original statement. If we, the consumers, the content creators and the content consumers tell social media, this is what we want, this is what we don't want, how much should it be our responsibility and how much is it our fault? That media like this is so consumable in the first place because it seems like like you mentioned you mentioned the 25 people who watched the stream live countless people who probably shared it because they look they like snuff the snuff videos they like this danger this terror or people are saying condemn it you know this is terrible but they're still sharing it right so it's like you know again i've said it before i've said it again on different stories you know i want to believe that it's going to take the people to actually make change because these companies are going to go whichever Mm. the way the wind blows and whichever the way the wind blows may or may not be in our best interest. So um, just related to this. So right now um, this, I'm not going to even say the dude's name, but this, this, this terrorist, he is all into replacement theory and all that kind of stuff. And uh, Tucker Carlson, what's his name? Tucker Carlson. Um, on uh-huh. Fox News, um, this is stuff that you can get from him. Um, you know, this is this is kind of how he rolls. So you have enormous amounts of people who are not. We need to boycott uh, Fox News. We need to we need to go to their sponsors and boycott them. And yeah, okay, cool. But he, here's the thing: Fox doesn't make the overwhelming majority of its money from um, progressive. I know that progressive is a uh, uh, you know, Buzz a sponsor. Word. They don't make it from the My Pillow guy. They don't make it from USAA. They don't, you know, they don't make it from Safe Flight. I'm just, I'm just thinking of some of the 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 sponsors I know that are on that platform. That is not where the bulk of their money comes from. The bulk of their money comes from carrier fees they get. Uh, you know, so when Comcast says, "Hey, we want to put Fox on our channel or, or you know on our cable system," they pay Fox money. Um, when Hulu says they want to do it, when YouTube TV says they want to do it, when Spectrum says they want to do it, they all get these carrier fees, and that's how they're making the bulk of their money. So if people are really serious about we don't want this kind of content coming out of you know um, you know out of Tucker Carlson or coming out of Fox, you got to go to where they make their money. You got to say, hey, I'm willing right. to cancel my cable subscription over Fox putting this kind of content out. Um, and and here's the thing right now. Half the country is cool with the content. So, I mean, it's like, that's the thing. Half of people are cool with this, roughly half. 
Um, now I'm not a, 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 a alarming majority of people are cool with it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like when, when I'm saying cool, I'm not saying cool with the uh, <laughs> with the terrorists. I'm not saying they're cool, they're cool with that. that. I'm just saying they're cool, cool with the message that may have mm-hmm. you know, and you know, like I said, I don't, I don't want to get into uh, you know, just this why this did, dude did it, but racism that that that's the word you need racism is is why this dude did it you don't have to go much further than that um so like i said to, to answer your question you know once again i think that like it's three buckets it really depends you know what is legal what is right and ultimately which way is the wind blowing which you know which you know which stove eye is hot and once the companies figure that out they will you know do their about faces or they will adjust I think that it's, it's really, it really comes down to that. Um, re- relying on the public to do it. Well, like I said, the reports right now are at least 25 people were watching this and said nothing. So, um, yeah, that's, that, that's the, that's the tech angle that we're going to talk on that. I, I will say this last thing. Uh, you know, this is, this is not even a tech story, but, uh, what is her name? Um, Corinne Jean-Pierre, she actually, today, it's not her first day, I think her first day was Friday, but today was her first press conference as the first black White House press secretary. secretary. And I just put something out on Twitter, it's not lost on me, that on her first day on the job, her first time in front of the camera, she opened up with, here are the names of the people slain in a terrorist attack, specifically targeting black people. And it's just like, you know, what's sad is that my gut tells me this will not be the last time she does this while she's in this position. Right. It's just, it's, it's, it's a sad state that we're in, but um, we got to get back to, I know we, we tried to take a little bit of a hiatus on talking about uh, the dude that's been dominating the tech news for the last two months. But uh, my question to you is, is Elon Musk really trying to buy Twitter? Cause uh, he's trying to flex. He's trying to flex his muscle, but it, of course, it ain't as easy as just buying Twitter. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that goes in between that. And after people start looking up the news, going through the threads, digging through stuff may not be as easy as he thought it was, especially when he's still running his mouth on Twitter, which mm-hmm. is, I think, what you're leading into. <laughs> well, yeah. So a couple of things have happened. So the Twitter deal right now is officially on hold. And the reason it's on hold, and, and I think we did talk about this a show or two ago, is that the number of fake accounts or the number of non, I don't want to say verified accounts, but the number of accounts on Twitter that aren't people is in question. And one of the reasons it's in question, we'll just give an example. Um, You know, Terrence, you have an account. I have an account um, where I'm using my actual name. We also have accounts for the tech John. Well, the tech John we both are able to log into it and use it, but it's not an additional person. It's not like there are three people, even though there's three accounts, um, your account, my account and the tech John account. So what they're trying to figure out is, well, how many of those accounts are actually like brand accounts and a, another person is the user and they just may have multiple. And I don't want to say there's discrepancy on the number, but I think that uh, they want some more auditing of it. And so Elon said, well, until we get this figured out, because it, you know, it, it's 5% or so, um, is what they're estimating. Um, that's, that's a lot of users when you're talking about something, you know, a platform that has nearly a billion of them. So, um, the deal is on hold, but there's all kind of other stuff. He's violated, uh, you know, let me say allegedly, he's allegedly violated his NDA announcing that Twitter, uh, bot size sample was a hundred. 
you know, so he, he actually said he was asked a question. He actually said it. They're coming back and saying that he's, you know, you're violating your NDA by actually telling, you know, our methods of how we're determining this. Um, so are you saying in so many words, are you saying he self-sabotaged it by running his mouth? Or are you saying Twitter's trying to get out of the deal by saying he violated the NDA by running? This well, deal? I don't know that Twitter wants to get out of the deal at this point because Twitter stock price, and we'll talk about that in a second, is tanking, um, you know, literally as we speak. I mean, I, you know, the last time I looked. Uh, was right at market close. It was thirty seven thirty nine. That's significantly below the fifty four twenty that uh, this dude is supposed to go and pay for this. Um, so there's actually an, an analyst at Wed Bush analyst says that there's a less than a fifty percent chance that this deal goes through. So it's just kind of it's kind of looking is, is is he wishy washy? So so here's the things the the actual Twitter stock price has gone down significantly. Tesla stock price has gone down twenty five percent since he launched this uh, takeover. Uh, you know. That's how he was going to finance a lot of it. So you figure that, well, I lost you know a quarter of my money on my main thing, and the thing that I want to buy is not worth nearly what you know we, I thought it was going to be when I went in to go buy it. So he's got a billion dollar clause or a billion, a billion dollar you know fee that he has to pay if he if he's to get out of this. But I'm wondering if he's if he's thinking it's like you know what it's just a billion as compared to you know forty some odd billion maybe I'll go ahead and do that it's it's just really interesting to see if he's going to try to wiggle his way out and the money is saying that they don't think it's going to happen because here's the thing if you know the stock is going to be purchased at fifty four twenty it's only at thirty seven right now well you can go buy it and then hold it until it gets sold you know you're going to make money if this thing goes through the market is not buying is not snapping up. The, uh, you know, the stock, it's actually selling it off, which means that the price is going down, which means people don't necessarily think that this thing is going to go through. And I'm not quite sure what to believe at this point. Um, I don't know. Um, I don't get the impression that he was just showboating when he wanted to buy Twitter again. You know, I don't think he is the point man for this acquisition, which is why he just assumes that he can go on Twitter and say things about the deal that normally if I'm trying to buy a product or whatever the case may be, mums the word until the ink is dry. You know, he's not this type of person. So maybe he, you know, he just assumes that he can just do whatever and things just happen the way they happen. Come to find out that's not the case. So maybe he's either taken aback or Maybe he is sabotaging Twitter and he'll pay the he'll pay the billion dollars to tank Twitter. And as you what you mentioned, the fact that the um, the, the stock is tanking now, Tesla is tanking as well. It, is it a coincidence that it's tanking right around this time that he announced he's going to buy Twitter? We don't know. Um, I can't think of a reason why outside of I don't think that many people hate him that much to where they're willing to stop buying Teslas. You know, I don't know what it is, but I don't think, I don't know if there's a, a direct correlation between him deciding to buy Twitter and Tesla stock tanking. Um, could be supply chain issues. Could be any other a normal uh, inflation gas price. I don't know. Well, maybe not gas prices because they're electric. <laughs> not, not gas prices, but, but um, <laughs> yeah, I would have to uh, imagine there's, there's probably a string I just don't know how thick that string is because I think that what why is uh why is Tesla down twenty five percent? Well, why is everything else down 
25%. Everything I mean, else. you know, I, you know, I, I don't want to throw the R word out there, but we are pushing towards session. <laughs> not one of the, I mean, come on, man. We're pushing, we're, we're pushing is, towards one. So I don't know that. Prices, what, are, go ahead. prices are too inflated mm-hmm. for, for this, for it not course correct. Who so, knows when, but. Right. But uh, like, so when you start looking at his Twitter money and okay, well, 25% of that is gone. That makes, now, I said Twitter money. I meant Tesla money. His Tesla money, twenty five percent of that is gone. You know, by stock valuation, and then Twitter that I'm trying to go buy for forty plus billion dollars, it's you know its price is actually going down. So I'm spending too much for it. So the other thing is that well, is he doing all this um, to try to just get a lower price? Is is he going to you know hey you know I, I I'll I'll pay the billion dollars um, if I can get it overall you know. Cheaper. Uh, if if you guys are not going to come off of this price that we initially set, but uh, but if you want to be bought, you know you need to you know get real with what this price is based off of what's happening in the market right now. Um, the other thing too is that there has been enormous pushback on him buying this company. I mean, I, I mean, there I mean, there have been people like you know right after it was announced that he was doing it, it's like why do I have so many fewer followers today? Because there literally were. Hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people who said, you know what, I'm done with Twitter and, and have, have left their accounts. I know people who have gotten off of Twitter. Now, I haven't. Um, don't believe that I'm going to unless there is a reason to. The, you know, the potential for things to happen um, are not the reason for me at this point. But a lot of people have gotten off. So I've wondered, I wonder if he is you know, rethinking. It's like, oh, okay, um, Twitter's not the same thing if it is just half the country who actually even pay attention to it. Um, it changes um, I, dramatically if that becomes the case for Twitter. Well, I hope that's the reason more than anything else. I hope the people are showing Twitter and or mm. Elon what they will and won't accept. And as a result, people are leaving Twitter and driving the price down because account numbers are down and, you know, all these people very, very vocal about it. If not mm. leaving Twitter, very, very vocal about how they don't want Twitter you see think piece on top of think piece on top of think piece mm-hmm. of what's going to happen when he takes over. He's kind of made mention to some of his ideas, air quotes, if you're listening to this on how uh, Elon wants to run Twitter, which a lot of people pushed against. So I'm hoping that is the case versus all these numbers, because all these numbers as to why Twitter is giving it up in the first place, uh, uh, conspiracy theories on, you know, uh, Elon driving the price down so he can get it cheaper. That all doesn't bode well for me as it relates to what Twitter is. I would rather it be the people saying we don't want Twitter like this mm-hmm. and then Twitter and or Elon responding versus just the numbers don't match up. <laughs> yeah, I think honestly it's a combination of all of this stuff. I mean, it, it really is. You know, you have to put all that stuff into the pot and mix it up. Uh, so, you know, I, I've actually seen a couple of people say, well, why would Twitter react the way that it's reacting? Well, like I said, if people don't, if they truly don't like what they think is coming, they're more, you know, they, they've canceled their accounts. They've showed you that that's what they're going to do. So, that, to do. you know, so that, yeah, that, that makes Twitter less valuable. Um, the other part of that is that, Elon may have miscalculated the, the number of people that were going to leave. So it's like, okay, well, maybe now because I miscalculated, 
I might need to rethink some things um, on what I'm willing to pay for this because, mm-hmm. um, you know, Twitter is not the same thing if half the people that are on it are no longer on it because they don't like who owns it. Um, and, you know, we, we can get into the free speech part of that. Do you want to suppress speech or, or anything? No, I don't want to suppress anybody's speech, but I don't necessarily want to prop anybody's speech up either. So it's uh, it was one of those things to where I don't have a problem with people who are saying that they're leaving because they don't want to deal with this person. I don't like this person. Therefore, I'm not. It's kind of like this. If there's a restaurant where I don't like, you know, I, I don't like the waiter that comes you know, to wait on me, or I don't like the owner, the owner said something, you know, out of the way to me, then I decide not to go, you know, I decide not to go there. It's not, it's not, it's not the end of the world, but I've just made a choice. In the case of Twitter, millions of them made it, um, you know, over the course of a few days and, you know, it, things are just looking different. So I don't know, man, I can't call this one. I don't know if this is going to go through because I tend to look at the money parts of it. The money right now is not saying that this thing is going to go through because the stock price has dropped to where it is. You would think people, oh, okay, um, I'm going to be able to make over $20 a share if I go in here and I buy this right now and just hold on to it until this deal goes through. The only way that doesn't work is if you don't believe the deal doesn't go through. So you end up buying it and it, the price continues to drop. So, But wouldn't, wouldn't it eventually go up? Let's just say, argument's sake, uh, Elon, does the deal doesn't go through. Twitter gets back into the hands of the CEO or whomever and things kind of get back to normal. Does it a natural evolution of things? Twitter starts to uh, start, go back up. Um, just take longer. I know you're in a quick, I know you're just setting me up to answer the question. Cause I know that you are way more cynical than that. Cause I am too. Uh, mm-hmm. No, that's not how it would work. Because as I said, half of, Half, let's um, let's talk about Earth. Let's just talk about the United States. Half of the United States is cool with what Elon is doing. So right. if so, now, so even though you know they were out there saying it's like you know you know our speech is being tramped down. You know you can't be you know you can't be conservative. You know ultra conservative on this platform. Even all that stuff was being said, they were on the platform. But if it looks mm-hmm. at all like this dude has been forced out or he can't you know he can't purchase the company because mm-hmm. you know of, of this, the same thing that people who are exercising their right right now saying you know what I just don't want to be affiliated with Twitter anymore. You're going to have mm-hmm. the other side. They're going to want to say the same thing. I want to leave mm-hmm. too. So that doesn't do anything for Twitter. Twitter needs everybody to be on it for it to be a successful company. Um, you know, you don't want to just have it be like, you know, what was the thing parlor that came out? I don't know if parlor is even still a thing, but it's like, mm-hmm. if you own, if, if you are a giant echo chamber, um, what's the point? It's, it's everybody's kind of, the same. Nobody's the yeah. same or yeah, that's what I forget how the yeah. phrase goes. If, 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 if everybody's special, then nobody's special or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, this could easily swing the other way to where you're going to upset, you know, another demographic of folks who are like, oh, wow, th- this is how you roll Twitter. I'm done. My account is canceled as, as well. And it, like I said, either way this thing goes, it's, it's not good for Twitter uh, to, to not have as many people on the platform as possible. Social networks, they generally want to have as many people as they possibly can, because just because you swing one way or the other way politically doesn't mean that you're out there violating their terms and ultimately looking at the ads they might serve you or paying a subscription if they decide to move to that. And you probably are not on there all day long shouting your 
your uh, stands and viewpoints. Most of the time, you're just on Twitter to see some funny news, you know, follow celebrities or all the myriad of other things people do on social media, promote your business, promote your podcast, you know, techjohn.com, <laughs> Twitter slash techjohn, right? Um, you know, people are using Twitter normally for the most part. It's just we tend to focus on the louder side of Twitter, people who are on their, you know, spouting their beliefs, whether it be religious, whether it be political, whether it be gender, whatever the case may be. But most the, the it's being held up by, quote unquote, the middle class, regular folks just being on Twitter. Right. So um, Apple News, we haven't talked um, a lot of Apple lately. But uh, one thing that is coming up that I've been wondering when they were going to get around to this, but it's actually, you know, some pretty decent reports. We don't know for sure, but it is looking like the iPhone 15. So not the one coming out later this year, but the one that will come out next year. It looks like Apple's decided to go ahead and get rid of the lightning adapter, the lightning cord. They're going to go to USB-C. So you being the the Uber Apple guy on this podcast, what, what are your thoughts? Do you think that this is something that Apple, you think they're finally ready to pull this trigger on going USB-C? Um, I originally had my doubts, um, but a lot of things have lined up um, that I, you know, looking back through uh, news as of recent, uh, one being that the Apple has sunset the iPod product, which either had, if you were an old school person and kept your whole old iPod, it had the 15 pin connector. Mm-hmm. Most of the newer ones, like the iPod Touch, the iPod Nano, even I think the iPod Shuffle, if that was still a thing, most of those had the lightning connector, right? Mm-hmm. They've already gotten rid of uh, lightning connectors for most of the iPad lineup. They've already gotten rid of USB-A for the MacBook product. They've still got some of the AirPods that still have the lightning for the AirPods, AirPods Pro, and the AirPods uh, Max. But once those start to go to USB, then I can see the iPhone going USB, like you mentioned, not for the iPhone that's coming up this fall, but the iPhone, I guess it would be the iPhone 15, Mm -hmm. which would get rid of the USB-C. So they're already putting things in motion as far as the products are concerned. I think another thing that you was going to talk about or, you know, if you want me to talk about is the fact that they are getting pressure from EU regulators because EU, they want Apple to move a little bit faster as far as switching up their proprietary port. That's right. The EU actually has proposed legislation that they may mandate that everybody use USB-C. And one of the reasons for doing is that they just want less waste. Uh, You know, that. These chargers are are made. They don't, they're not necessary. You could change and go to something that you know people won't have to have multiple chargers to do one thing. So I'm I'm looking at you know as Apple finally said you know they put their finger up in the wind. It's like okay we we have milked this as long as we can. Let's go ahead and before somebody says we have to do it and we look like we're now scrambling, let's go ahead and kind of start letting into the ether that where we're going to do this. And it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the decisions that are being made other places. I kind of think that's what's happened. And I think, you know, the people at, you know, Apple are really, really smart. And they know that if they have to make a USB-C variant just for the EU, that's way more expensive than just making a USB-C, USB-C variant for everyone. 
and you know Apple's going to do it the way Apple does it. They're going to have their yeah, own cords. They're going to have their own bricks uh, where they can go and they can sell this new stuff to you. Well, not only that, you know, Apple, regardless of pressure, uh, quote unquote, from EU regulators, Apple still kind of moves at its own pace. So they it's both things can be true, right? They could be getting pressure from EU regulators for a myriad of reasons. Good. You know, it's good that they want to get rid of less waste, you know, because when you not just carrying the different chargers, the fact that if you put a charger in the box, that's a bigger box, which makes more waste. Right. So two things could be true at the same time. They could be feel they could be fielding, not feeling the pressure from the EU, but also we're going to go at our own pace. And as long as it looks like Apple alone made the decision that now is the time, the perfect time for us to switch to USB-C, as long as they can purport that, then they're going to do it. And it just may happen to coincide with the fact that they're getting pressure from the EU and a bunch of other stuff. (laughs) So I will give Apple credit on this for the longest time. Uh, the power bricks that actually came in the iPhone box or in the iPad box, they were the kind where the cord actually in the, in the charger were two different pieces. So you could actually interchange them. Um, I appreciate that about them because I have some older phones that the USB C or, or actually the, the, uh, the, the micro USB is just, you know, a power brick and a cord. That's one piece. So you can't, interchange just the cable you have to get rid of that whole brick or you've got to get some kind of adapter to convert that to something else which is problematic because you you know you lose those things after you've used them twice i think that's murphy's law you, you can use it twice and then they will be lost um so i give apple credit on that that if you already have a brick chances are you're not gonna have to get a new one you can just get a new cord so you're not talking about you know 30, 40 bucks, you're talking, you know, 10, 12, 15 bucks, depending on the the cords you want to get. And then USB-C, I mean, if you want to get just a cheap braided one, I mean, you can get those things for $5 off Amazon or five below even. They're they're really cheap to get. So Mm -hmm. there's that. Um, I will say this, though. I'm glad that if they do go this this route, Um, as I've mentioned before, uh, I'm pretty much a Windows and Android person. However, I've got a camera sitting like right here off to my right hand side. Uh, and I call it a camera because I only use this iPhone 10 R as a selfie cam or as a vertical camera for just making videos. That's all I use it for. I don't have any USB C cable or, or, or should say uh, lightning cable. So I had to actually go and borrow, you know, a cable from my daughter or get a cable here. And finally I had to go out and get one, but it's like, this is the one thing I have that requires this kind of cable and everything else. The, the only, the only other thing that I have that is not USB C is my camera, which is actually uh micro USB. That's the only thing that is not USB C that is probably within eight feet of where I'm sitting right now. Everything is USB C. So that's that's the only thing. Like I said, it's like it's, it's not a big deal. Um, I just had to get the right cable and plug it into my USB hub to power uh, that phone to you know to charge it up. But it's just like it would just be so much easier because I could I could very easily see myself grabbing it, walking out somewhere, and oh man, I don't I don't have the right cable. I need it. So um, and as I said, I have tried to buy the little tips that will convert like micro USB over to USB C. You can use those things twice before you lose them. Um, I, I have probably bought 10 of them. I think I may know where one or two of them are at this point. <laughs> 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. So keeping on with the phones, uh, the big tech story of the past week was Google I.O., um, their their conference where normally they're talking about software for the most part, but uh, at this Google I/O they actually talked about quite a bit of hardware. So let me just break some of the things that they have coming out down. So there's going to be a new pair of Pixel Buds called the Pixel Buds Pro, which are going to introduce noise canceling um, or noise cancellation into the earbuds. They've got a new Pixel 6a coming out. That's going to be their entry level. Um, you know, phone uh, for folks. I want to say it starts at like four hundred and fifty dollars, so it's even less expensive than the than the Pixel Six, which was not terribly expensive as far as flagship phones go. Um, now here's where they start losing me a little bit. Um, in, in Google I/O, you know, Google they have a tendency to announce things that don't come out for some time. So they've announced the Pixel Seven. It's supposedly coming out this year, but that's, you know, the end of the year is when we're being told it's going to come out in, in, in the seven pro. Um, I should say the six, the, the pixel six, a, uh, will go on uh, pre-order, uh, in July. So that one they've, they've given a, you know, a, a relatively solid date on that, but we don't really know when the pixel seven or seven pro are coming out. They also, um, announced a pixel watch. Um, once again, don't have an exact date on when it's coming out, but it's, it's supposedly going to be coming out later this year. And then the one that kind of, I don't understand at all. They have a pixel tablet that they announced. Maybe this was an announcement for the developer. So that, Hey, we really are serious about tablets and we can, you can start working on apps and porting your apps over to uh, a tablet experience, but the pixel tablet is not coming out until next year. My gut tells me, is not coming out until the latter half of next year. So we probably are well over a year uh, from the time that they've announced this tablet until the time that it comes out. And no, if, if you want a tablet, you're not going to wait a year for it. You know, I, I've always had an issue where, you know, you announce something and the thing doesn't come out for months and months and months. I've always given Apple credit on that, that they pretty much announced their stuff and then have dates usually for it within, you know, within days, if not, if not within minutes of the announcement, or at least within, you know, a, a month or two of when they make the announcement. Usually, Terrence, you can probably tell me better than I can tell you that, but I think that that's generally the case. They usually have their stuff coming out relatively close to the time that they tell you about it. It's not over a year out. Well, so I can probably tell you better that Google is not a supply chain company. Um, they are software that have in recent history, started to come out with branded hardware um, maybe to, you know, to give end users, those faithful, that premium, pure experience. 
but they're not a supply chain company. Apple is a supply chain company. Samsung is a supply chain company. No, that's a heck of a point. That's a heck of a point. So, so when you add that, and then you add that on top of supply chain shortages and supply chain issues, the best Google can say is, we announced some cool stuff, but eh, who knows when you're going to get it. You know versus what? Apple versus Samsung can say, regardless of what's going on, we've got this nailed down. So when we announce our iPhone 13, everybody and their mama knows come September, you better start saving up your money. Yeah. So uh, a buddy of mine asked me, he's like, hey, you paying attention to Google IELTS? Like, and I'm not watching it because all they're going to do is talk about stuff that I want that I know I can't get for, you know, six months mm-hmm. to a year. And I was being facetious when I said it. And then I actually go and I watch it's like, oh, no, seriously, they, they, they've announced stuff that probably will not be out until the fall of next year in the Google tablet. I don't know that no one has told me this, but the way they said it, it's like I could see another I.O. happening before that tablet comes out. So um, but th- that wasn't the only thing, as I said, Google I.O., they, they oftentimes, uh, you know, uh, or I shouldn't say oftentimes, they usually are talking about software things that are coming out. So so let me talk about some of the stuff that's coming out there. So number one, and I actually bolded this, um, you know, we'll talk about this one first is uh, messages, you know, the, the Google messages app uh, there. Let's just say for lack of better terms, they're their iMessage variant, you know, the, the Google version of iMessage, um, it is going to get end-to-end encryption for group messages. And this is something that's pretty big. They can actually do it um, when it's, you know, peer-to-peer, but they did not have encryption for uh, group messages. They are adding that. And I've been saying this. I've said this several times on Twitter and on Instagram. If you If you have an Android device and you're not using Google Messages, you should just be using Google Messages for no other reason that it is actually quite good. It is so much better than just a standard SMS or MMS uh, client. If you are talking to someone else that is on Google messages. And one of the things I started to notice is that I have not told a single person. I, I made a vow a couple of years. I think it was when Google Allo came out and then died. I said, I would never ever recommend another messaging platform from Google. And I've stuck to that. Um, so, I'm you know I, I'm changing on that because Google Messages is actually quite good and it's not going anywhere because it's not just their stuff. It is a standard that they've come out with. Now they've got their stuff in it, but it's it's actually quite good for something that is just built in. So the thing is, you don't have to get someone to convert over to this. It's just on their phone. They literally just have to use it, and it and it works for them right off you know right off the bat. Any new Android phone that you get automatically has this as default. You have to do something to make it not be the default um, really? you know, on any new so phone. They don't, so on, uh, again, you have to school me because I'm not an Android person. Mm-hmm. Isn't there like in a default text message service app and then on top of that or in addition to that, there's Google Messages? No. Or does Google Messages so, do like Apple now so, and yeah. you open the Messages app and you either enable iMessage or you don't, but it's just one app. Yeah, it's just one app. So the default messaging app is Google Messages at this point. So if okay. you buy an Android phone, and, and I'm talking specifically about the United States now, because it may be different in other places, but here in the U.S., every carrier has determined that we're going to use Google Messages as our default app. Uh, so even if you're mm-hmm. getting a uh, a manufacturer-branded phone, um, mm-hmm. it used to be that you could get a, like, let's say uh, if I go back to my Samsung Galaxy uh, Note 10, um, the, um, the last mm-hmm. you know phone that I had that actually was called Note. 
Well, the default application on there was Samsung Messages. Mm-hmm. Now, I could have put Google Messages on it, but the default application was Samsung Messages. Um, what Verizon has done um, and what, um, you know, and what AT&T and what T-Mobile have done is they said that for all of our Android devices, we're going to put Google Messages, well, not put, we're going to make Google Messages be the default app. And the reason okay. for that is that because Google has done all this additional work to make, uh, you know, to, to make the actual messaging application using the RCS standard act and feel and work like iMessage. Now, don't beat me up, Apple people. I am not saying that there is parity yet. There is not. <laughs> there, de- there definitely is not parity between the two. Speaking as the Apple iPhone person, we did not make a, that assumption. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there's, there's not parity. But, but it is same so time. much better than and, what it was before. And Apple has, uh, past couple years, has been promoting safety. Well, not so safety. They've been promoting privacy especially with iMessage, how secure it is, you know, uh, nobody's reading your messages, nobody's think whatever the case may be. Uh, WhatsApp has been all over the internet and all over the, you know, just advertising in general have been pushing end-to-end encryption. So have some of the other ones, Signal and Telegram. The reason why they exist is because at a time, you know, WhatsApp and regular SMS was not encrypted. So people who wanted that additional layer of privacy so it makes sense that Google Messages is getting into end encryption as a feature, but also as a necessity because that's what people want. It's what people want. And it might be what governments want because, you know, we've talked about this before that the EU is strongly considering making it so that all of these messaging platforms that have over a certain number of users, they have to interoperate with each other. So we're like, well, how is WhatsApp going to make itself work with iMessage? And how is iMessage going to make itself work with, uh, you know, what's, you know, um, with Telegram or with, you know, know, how is all that going to happen? Google actually, and I don't think this was foresight. I think they just kind of lucked into this spot. Well, they actually are using a standard. So RCS is not Google's thing. That is a standard. RCS is a standard as much as MMS is a standard, as much as SMS is a standard. Now, Google is doing some Google things on the back end when things run through their servers and you're using their client. But the, you know, the interoperability between, you know, a RCS client that is Google Messages or some other RCS client, that works by the nature that you're using a standard that all the carriers ultimately should be adhering to. So it'll be interesting. You know, I've always wondered is like, will we ever see iMessage support RCS? Um, I still don't know that I'm willing to jump in that boat and say that it will, because like Apple does uh, all the time, you know, you said you, you said this earlier, Apple moves at its own pace and they will make the change when they feel that they need to make the change. Um, they may be able to push that off so far or so long that RCS might actually, you know, be, you know, there may be something that comes out that actually, you know, attempts to replace RCS. These standards don't last for 30 years. They, they you know, they, they tend to have a lifespan on them. So it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, how that happens. But just getting back to the, you know, to the IO, you know, part of this, like messages is getting this end-to-end encryption for groups. And that is kind of awesome because now you can do a group message, you can do a regular message, and you don't have to worry about that thing being intercepted in plain text like SMS and MMS could be. So some of the other things that uh, have come out of uh, from a software standpoint at uh, Google I.O. are, you know, Android 13 will soon be coming out. 
Um, and some of the, the, the big things with Android uh, 13 is that they're going to support uh, fast pairing. So you basically are going to be able to just, you know, if you have an Android device that's running 13, um, it's going to be able to just sync up and link up with a multitude of other devices relatively easily. Um, I, I know now because I've seen this and I've, you know, I've done this. Apple tends to, <laughs> if you got multiple Apple devices, they just tend to work with each other. You don't have to jump through a lot of hoops to make that happen. I think with Android 13, Google is trying to move there. Um, in some of the, the copying, pacing um, between devices, that's also going to come. Um, I can attest to this. There is a application um, from Microsoft. Called, it used to be called Google Your Phone. I'm not sure what they've renamed it to. Um, it might be like, you know, um, Microsoft uh, My Link or something like that. But basically, if you were to if just do a search for Google My Phone, this application, the re- reason I love it is because it allows you to do on Android devices, if you're using a Windows PC, and an Android device, you can do copy and paste between your phone and uh, the PC, and it's instantaneous. You don't have to do anything other than turn the service on, and it just works. And if you're doing any type of two-factor authentication, it just makes life so much easier. So I will look forward to that, to when it's just an operating system thing, and you can do this between multiple devices running Android. And then I um, wanted to talk about Google Wallet. So Google Wallet... Um, you know, we've probably all heard of it. It, you know, does a lot of the things that Apple Wallet are doing. But what, uh, you know, the, the thing I took away is that uh, Google is now working with U.S. states and international governments to bring digital ID to Google Wallet. So um, I did not want to be in a situation where I'm going to have all my folks that I know that have iPhones. They're going to be able to whip out their iPhone at the airport. They're going to be able to whip out that iPhone um, if they, you know, get if they got, you know, get ID'd somewhere. Um, and I'm stuck with having to use a wallet. I did not want to be in that situation because that to not have to carry a wallet, I would almost buy, uh, you know, a secondary device to just have in my pocket with me to replace the wallet. Um, so, so sidetrack, um, not, not future proofing, for instance, not being able to carry a wallet again, I'm not an Android person. So school me. How do how does Android, Google, Samsung or whatever handle regular airline mobile uh, boarding passes? Is it text message? Is it how do they because so let me iPhone user like I was just I was just at a friend's wedding this weekend and we, you know, um, we flew there and we went to our airline Got the confirmation at the bottom of the ticket online. You know, I'm on my phone. They say add to wallet. I press that button automatically adds to my Apple wallet. Then so then when I go to the airport, go through security, I either show them or scan the barcode. Boom, it pops up the information. I give them my ID, which hopefully going forward in the future, I'll just be able to hand one thing. and It'll have both my pass, my boarding pass and my ID. But until then, I scan the thing, show them my ID. They go about their business. That's not the same process for Android. So um, in the before times and the before the pandemic, there was an application um, called Google My Trips. I believe it was called. And you could store your boarding passes and everything in My Trips. Now, Google has sunset that application. Um, It's no longer available to use. Um, I just haven't traveled enough since the pandemic to know what I need to do because uh, right. the last time I traveled, 
I just didn't worry about it. It was like, you know, I had direct flights. It's just like, I just handed them, you know, print them a board and pass off and just literally just handed it to them. Now I do know that when I go to print my boarding pad off, you know, pass off, I can have it sent to me electronically. So it'll send me an email with a link. And what I would do is I would just click the link and take a screenshot and just literally have the Mm -hmm. screenshot saved in my photos, Mm -hmm. pull the photo up and do that. I know that that is not nearly as elegant as actually having Apple wallet to do it. I used to do it the Apple wallet way in Google. uh, My, I think, like I said, I believe it was called Google, my trips. Um, Mm -hmm. That functionality gone, you know, went away. I didn't check to see whether or not that was added to, uh, you know, into Google Wallet. It may have been. So some of the things they're talking about here is that you will be able to do those kind of things. I don't know if that's a thing that's coming up or if that's a thing that's actually out already uh, as far as boarding passes. Mm -hmm. But it's really just because we're in a pandemic and I've only flown one time since we've been in it. And it just wasn't that big a deal because it was like, a you know, it was a flight that we had to kind of take. Um and it was like, let's just get there and get back and be as safe as we can. I didn't even think about how I was actually going to check into the plane. Um, right. So I, I, I don't want to speak on it because I don't know. But if I had to guess, I'm guessing that they took that functionality that was in Google My Trips and they've just integrated that into Google Wallet and you can do it there. Um, okay. Samsung wallet may do it as well, but I, I've, once again, I've, I've just never checked. I was actually using the Google application to do it before they just discontinued it. So I'm assuming, well, um, and hit us up family. Let us know anybody out there with an iPhone. I mean, I'm sorry with an Android or Google or Samsung or Google device. How do they do the boarding passes? My assumption was you click on the add to wallet, uh, from the airline website or mobile, mobile friendly website. And it just knows what phone you have and serves up the corresponding wallet. But maybe that's not the case. <laughs> um, like I said, I'm, I'm trying to remember um, from when I took a trip. Um, like I said, this was uh, last year. Mm-hmm. But if I remember correctly, I did the, you know, I got the mobile boarding pass and it was just, okay, we just emailed it to you. So I literally got a link. Oh, no, it, it actually, I'm saying email. It could have been a text message as well, but it was like, I just clicked yeah. on it. Picture comes up and I know it. it's just easy to just, you know, just swipe, you know, use my palm to swipe over the whole screen and take a screenshot of it. That way I know I have it and I'm mm-hmm. not scrambling to try to get back to it. Um, right. And I, I, I am certain that that is it. It was either an email or a text message that I got message. once I, mm-hmm. uh, you know, once I actually checked in uh, and, you know, and got it on my phone and went from it that way. I would love, however, to be able to just click a link and that thing shows up right in Google Wallet. And I was having a conversation um, probably not two weeks ago where uh, I was talking about um, I was a huge proponent of Samsung Pay. Um, Samsung Pay is the Samsung version of Google Wallet, the Samsung version of Apple, uh, you know, of Apple Wallet. And the reason I liked it so much was because it used a technology called um um, I think it was called MST magnetic secure transmission. And what this allowed you to do was that regardless of whether or not you had NFC turned on, on a terminal, as long as you could swipe a credit card, uh, using the magnetic strip, the Samsung phone had physical technology in the phone. Um, you know, hardware in the phone, they could fake a magnetic strip. Mm-hmm. So I like the fact that I would go to the store and they would tell me, particularly Home Depot, because Home Depot still does not uh, you know, allow you to do this stuff. But they would tell you, oh, we don't accept mobile payments. I was like, yeah, you do. And then I would go ahead and do it and it would work. 
um, uh, I don't want to say 100% of the time, but let's just say 95% of the time. You know, it's very rare that it wouldn't work, um, mm-hmm. even if they had the stuff turned off on the terminal. And Samsung decided uh, a few phones back that they no longer were going to go with MST because, number one, it was a physical piece of hardware, and they, f- they just didn't feel like they needed it any longer. Be- and, they, and they probably really don't because I can't really think of any times on my new phone. I have a Galaxy S22 uh, at this point. I, I don't. I don't believe that I've had times when I've tried to use it and I simply couldn't use it because they, you know, um, you know, most terminals, they just have it turned on, but they did get rid of it. And that was the only reason that I was using Samsung pay was because I knew it was going to work no matter what. Um, Google wallet is actually really good. It it is consistently rated the number one mobile wallet. And that includes, uh, you know, the, you know, Apple, um, you know, Apple's wallet. So um, it's got a ton of features in it. Um, I'm probably going to switch over to it, particularly like when I can start putting an ID in there. Um, I'm sold. That that is the thing. I I do not want to have to physically carry um, a wallet with me, and this just gets me closer to that. Um, I did read somewhere that side tangent, little tangent, just a little bit one, but um, Google Pay and Google Wallet aren't one in the same. It seems like there's a separate app and you tell me if I'm lying or not. Is there a separate app or a separate process if between Google Wallet being the place to where I can keep credit, uh, keep things like boarding passes, uh, keep other things and Google Pay to where I actually can send money to somebody. Right now, the way it works with Apple, they have Apple Wallet and they have Apple Cash, but the same uh, interface is used for both. I just wanted to ask, is that the same, you know, a similar interface with Google Pay and Google Wallet? Because that may, getting back to the story, may complicate things because if Google is trying to work with the U.S. government to use digital ID and they're trying to roll this out to consumers, but you're still using kind of different services to, you know, manage IDs, identification, boarding passes, driver's license, uh, health ID, vaccination cards. And then when it comes to money, like paying people, sending money, paying for things, I got to use a different service that may muck up the rollout unless I'm just taking people for granted. <laughs> but I don't think I am. <laughs> um, no, you're probably not. So I'm actually looking right here because, like I said, I've been using Samsung Pay for so long. I had to go back. I had to go in here and actually look. So there is a Google Wallet and there is a Google Pay. But uh, we, we're going to have to, uh, you know, figure that out. So I will just say any listeners, if you know, send us a note, let us know how this stuff works and you know we can actually research it and go but it does look like there is a distinct application for google pay and a distinct application for google wallet which when you really think about it this is google we're talking about and having two apps that do virtually the same thing is the most google thing you could actually do it's just just kind of how they roll (laughs) um so, so so i get it but before we get off of uh google io um there was one last thing that we wanted to talk about um, and that is what they're doing um, with just their image processing for folks who look like us, basically for darker skin tones. So uh, and, and you actually stuck this in here. I, I kind of forgot about it, but you stuck this, uh, you know, at the bottom of the Google I.O. stuff uh, where we were just talking about that. They're going to now start using the monk scale. 
Um, and for those who don't know what the monk scale is, there is actually a a professor, I think a Harvard professor who has come up with a scale that allows you to reliably classify different skin tones. And he basically is able to classify all skin tones between, um, you know, on a 10, like on a 10 section scale, which is just so much better than the way that it, you know, that it does now. So, so Google, we, we asked the question, you know, when it came out with the pixel six, um, and they announced their real tone technology and what they were doing with image processing and that kind of stuff. It's like, how for real, for real are they with this? How far are they going? Well, they're, they're going, they're going all the way. They, they are all in on this. They have made the determination that it makes sense for us to make people on earth look good in pictures, regardless of what they, you know, um, of what the level of melanin they have in their skin is. So they are not only using the, uh, you know, the monk scale in their own products, but they're open sourcing this and are going to allow anyone else to go ahead and use, uh, you know, the scale as well. So, so I'll just give you an example. Um, and Terrence, you linked a good video that we have in our, um, in our show notes that actually talks all about it. But one of the really cool things in that video, it shows how they're going to use it. So l- let's just go with something, you know, um, if you were to search for uh, bridal makeup, um, chances are, your searches, when they come back, you're going to have a slew of white women that are going to be displayed. Um, that's just how things are right now. What Google is going to move to is that you're going to be able to do that search, and then you'll actually be able to click on the monk scale to match your skin tone, and then it'll restructure the search and bring back images that are going to be pertinent to you. Because I'm thinking of like if my wife were in a wedding, um, just looking up bridal makeup um, or bridal party makeup um, solutions would not work for her. She would need to look up black women bridal makeup solutions. And just saying that once again is, you know, when, when you think about, you know, people who consider themselves black, um, you know, they the, the, the range of skin tones goes all the way from the lightest of the light to the darkest of the dark. So using this monk, um, you know, scale allows you to actually dial in. Um, to get closer to your skin tone. And what's cool about it is that there are enough categories. There's 10 different categories, but not so many that it becomes unusable because, you know, well, uh, and go ahead. And it's more so than the previous scale, which was the Fitzpatrick scale, Mm -hmm. which only had six categories of skin tone in general. And the Fitzpatrick scale was only used for, um, um, skin tones to to figure out what colors uh skin tones that um uh as it relates to sun you know um they only had like six and then it expanded to um to more skin tones outside of their regional the original use for it because it was only used for to classify how people burned in the sun. Yeah, exactly. I was just going to say, basically what that, the original scale or the Fitzpatrick scale, what it was used for is what kind of SPF do you need to use in your suntan lotion? That That is literally what it was created for. It had nothing to do with, you know, processing and pictures and making pictures, but they started to use it for everything else because that's really all that they had. So, so they had to expand it. So they had to expand it. So I said, you know, so but this uh, professor, what he actually did was, he's like, no, we we can expand this. Let's go with ten different classifications, and it literally goes from the lightest of the light to the darkest of the dark. And there are going to be some folks who would say, and they even he, he even addresses this. There's going to be some people who are going to say, well, this doesn't get me exactly. But the thing is, if you go to a scale that has like a hundred different markers on it, it becomes almost impossible for anybody to use because you just can't make a quick decision on which one you know most closely approximates, uh, you know. 
So, but all that to say, this was uh, this monk scale was devised for more uh, variety and more mm-hmm. thought put into different shades and different colors at the forefront versus it being an afterthought and people having to rejigger things to include more diversity. This is thought, this is created with diversity from the ground up, which then in turn, like Rob said, makes it easier to use when you're going on a website and you're searching for things as it relates to color. You can then, if this is adopted, you know, websites have to adopt it, mobile apps, website, you know, all these different things have to adopt this monk scale, which won't make it available tomorrow, right? But the fact that it was built from the ground up with diversity in mind, any website, any service, any product that decides to use it, you're only going to see more uh, ad, uh, people being able to use it, which is going to make your product more mm-hmm. successful. Yeah. And one of the things that I really liked about this part of IO and when they were talking about just they're doing just what they're doing with trying to, you know, be more inclusive and make, you know, their pictures and make their image processing work for diverse skin tones. They actually went to people with diverse skin tones to actually help them make the decisions and actually, you know, ask opinions on that. We so often times will have, you know, organizations say, well, yeah, we do need to do this for this particular community, but there's nobody from that community that you actually go to to ask, hey, does this make sense? Or even ask, hey, give me your input. You tell me what you know what you think. And, you know, um, you know, I'm just going to, ch- you know, change gears a little bit. Uh, you know, one of the things I was thinking about was that, you know, uh, it's, it's warm enough out. The pools are starting to open up. Um, and my, uh, my oldest daughter, she was, you know, ha- you know, had some friends over and they were out literally, they weren't in the water yet, but they were hanging out around her pool. And it's like the sun, it, it, I think it was like 84, 85 degrees, but the sun is a bright star. It, uh, it was shining down pretty, uh, you know, brightly and she got a little bit burned. And they're like, you didn't put any uh, suntan lotion on? She's like, I just didn't think I needed to, you know, this early in the season. It's like, yeah, e- even if you are an African-American, you need, uh, you know, to you know, protect yourself when you get out in the in the sun. And it just made, you know, she she came back with, you know, Dad, I found this uh, great suntan lotion. I, I think I don't want to get the name wrong, but I believe it is called just Black Girl Suntan Lotion. I think that's the name of the company. And she was like, I immediately knew that I needed it because one of the things they talk about is that it, you know, goes, you know, goes on clear, stays clear when you put it on. But, you know, one of the things and Terrence, I know we have had this issue when you put suntan lotion on, it, you, you look gray when you have it on. You you spend enormous amounts yeah. of time trying rub to it rub in it skin. in and mix it in mm-hmm. just so that you don't look like a ashy. vampire. You don't look ashy when you put it on. And this mm-hmm. company said, well, let's just make, Let's just make some sauté lotion that doesn't go on making you look ashy. And it's like, that is the play. But the way that comes is because it was a you know a company that was developed by black women who said, no, this is what we need to do. And I think mm-hmm. that what Google is doing by, you know, Google clearly isn't a, you know, an, you know, a black owned company or a company that is run, you know, um, you know by uh, African-Americans, but they went and- to them. And they had their missteps previously. They did do that. So, yeah, we, we can't. Yeah, we talked about that before. But, uh, you know, right. Google had some issues. I want to say this is all the way back in 2015, I think, when they misclassified mm-hmm. people as apes. Mm-hmm. And for, and they they owned it. Is They had no choice because, you know, we came after them on that. You know, we were letting them know we were not pleased with that. But they it's, it at least looks like they have done 
the work. We talk about that a lot. Don't just say right. stuff, you know, don't just say just it, you be about just it. Just don't give, just don't give money to HBCUs. We'll take it. But at the same time, we want equity. We want diversity. We just don't want money thrown at a problem. And this is one of the ways that you can really say whether it, whether we promote it and it becomes a ideal feature or not, this is how we're going to do business going forward. Mm-hmm. And because it's the right thing to do, not because we're trying to get black folks to switch from iPhone to Google, you know, whatever the case may be, you know, this seems like a move by Google to be more diverse, period. Yeah, um, I, I believe that it is. It, you know, it, Like I said, it looks like they, they've been they've been trying to figure this stuff out now for years. And this is the second major announcement um, that we, we've talked about on this show about this, you know, about this specific real tone thing. And it only makes sense. There's a lot of brown folks on the planet. And I want to answer. I, w- I want to answer folks who are going to oh, see they're going to make us, you know, make stuff for uh, for black folks. And can you imagine if they just made f- stuff for white folks? Well, yes, we can. We can. We can't imagine that. Um, you know, uh, I don't know why people don't get that. Uh, you know, I know you didn't want to <laughs> make this turn, but I don't understand why the majority doesn't see how things have been for them by them for the longest just because it doesn't well, just because right but at the same time it shouldn't take this oh well we don't call it black this or asian this or latino that or whatever the case may be just because you know why why is it so hard to for them to see that just because it's not named white cnn or white espn or white disney or whatever the case may be, that it's not, it wasn't made for you by you. And just recently, we're starting to see some diversity, some equity, some inclusion. Why is that so bothersome? I don't understand why that, that perplexes me. So, but that's neither here nor there. That's no. a conversation for another time. <laughs> it, it, maybe we'll talk about that in the after party. Once again, uh, you can uh, get access to our after party by heading over to patreon.com forward slash the tech John or the tech John forward slash Patreon. But, uh, but yeah, so one of the things I will just say to answer that is that uh, what, what professor monk did was not for black folks. He did things that are going to make things better for black folks, but he has all skin tones. So this ranges, as I said, from the whitest of the white to the darkest of the dark, I should say the lightest of the light to the darkest of the dark, uh, you know, on his scale. It doesn't know that you're white. It doesn't know that you're African-American. It just knows that this is your skin tone. Here is the sector that you're in. Here is your skin tone. Here's the sector that you're in. So you fit into that scale. And these uh, these technologies that Google is coming out with, they don't just make black people look better. They make people look better. That That's what the problem has been. The, you know, the default was make white people look better. Everybody else be damned. Now, I don't want to say that that's what product managers were, were, were saying. That's what they, but just by not actually thinking about folks who look like us, that's kind of the situation that we were in. We had to, we had to make the best of what we had and we had to figure out, like I said, you know, we, we talked about this when we talked about real term the first time. It's like Oprah Winfrey's lighting person. It's got to be one of the highest paid lighting people in the industry because when people saw how they could make her look on camera, they all wanted, you know, her lighting crew to come to wherever there was a bunch of black folks on stage on camera. Um, you know, there, there are many articles and stories about that. 
Um, but it shouldn't have to be like that. It's like, you know, you could have designed the camera to actually work to get everybody. You just didn't. And that's where the issue is. So the monk scale, it is, it is kind of awesome. Like I said, I've watched now three or four videos on it. I've listened, um, you know, you know, read some things. I've listened to what professor monk has had to say about it. And it does not just make black people look better for those who are going to have a problem with that. It makes everybody look better. But honestly, if you had a problem with it, I don't care. That was to me, one of the coolest things that came out of IO that they're still doing things to make uh, African Americans, to make Asian Americans, to make Indian Americans, to make uh, you know um, Latinx, to make Latin. Basically, everyone who has more melanin than what we generally perceive Caucasian people to be, um, you know, uh, in their skin tones, to make them look good on camera, and it's it's, it's some good work that they're doing. So. That I'm looking at the clock, man. Even though it's just the two of us, we was able to go ahead and pull off an, an entire show. Mm-hmm. And um, we don't um, we don't have a spotlight this week, but we do have a couple of new patrons. So we have a new patron um, named um, Brian Morgan, and we also got some raises. So Charles Hall gave us a raise. Charles, uh, you, you probably heard us talk about that name before because he is he usually is holding it down strong with us in the live stream. And then Lou Goon also, um, you know, I've seen Lou, uh, you know, I've known of Lou for, you know, for quite some time from other podcasts. And, uh, you know, he has given us a raise as well. So once again, shout out to Brian Morgan, Charles Hall and Lou Goon. Absolutely. We appreciate it. So, my man, Brother Tech, why don't you go ahead and tell the people how they can get to you? Sure. You can find me everywhere on the socials at Brother Tech. That's B-R-O-T-H-A-T-E-C-H. And I am at Rob Dunwood on all the things. And also we are at the tech job on all the things. So come and check us out, come and follow. And that's the best way to, uh, you know, to leave us messages, whether it be on Twitter, Instagram, you have Facebook, but we really ain't feeling Facebook like that. But, you know, Twitter and Instagram Mm -hmm. is pretty much where we are. So with that being said, until we meet again in a week's time, peace, peace. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.